Well, hello everyone. This is Tony Vodig. Welcome to Nerd Unscripted. And this week we're in for a special treat. Um, we have Frank Mayetta with us in the house. He is sitting right beside me here in my office in Chambersburg. And the cool thing about Frank is, that, first of all, he has a lot of great experience as a paranormal investigator, and we're going to be talking about that today. But he also is a history buff extraordinaire, uh, pretty damn good at building sets, too. He's been doing a lot of the work in our nerd store, Nerdvana Outpost, and so he's been currently working on Harry Potter's castle and carving cliffs and all that fun stuff. He's also the primary one who built our uh, Stargate, um, that perhaps you've seen the pictures of that in uh, on Facebook or whatever. Uh, so he's... Uh, not just a friend, he is one of our employees, manager actually, at Nirvana Outpost. So it's really cool to have him here today. Um, of course, I've had a lot of experience with weird things that go bump in the night. And uh, whenever he and I started talking about those, he shared some of his stories and experiences as well. And I'm like, dude, you got to come on my show. And so I'm happy to have Frank here today. So welcome. Thanks for the introduction, man. It was nice. Absolutely. Um, so, why don't you start off by telling everyone um, how you got introduced to the whole paranormal investigation? Sure, sure. Experience. Um, my very first experience is when I was young. Um, my mom had gotten a new VHS camcorder, the big, like, forty-pound monsters that you had on your shoulder, and I always loved uh, history. So she would take me to Antietam regularly every weekend. So we had a picnic and she had brought her camera along and we were by the observation tower near Bloody Lane. And I was like, messing around being a kid, showing off for the camera. And nothing unusual happened at that time. But as soon as we got home, I was like, hey, let's watch that. I want to see it. And during it, um, we noticed some sounds in the background and it was clearly musket fire and cannon fire. And there was no you know, reenactments going on that day. There was nothing. It was pretty much an empty park. And... Uh, yeah, and for those of you who are not familiar with American history, Antietam is actually in Maryland, um, Antietam Battlefield. It is the uh, bloodiest uh, battle in the Civil War uh, with the greatest number of casualties in one day. I believe there's 28,000 men that died in that one day. Um, Gettysburg was around 55,000 men, but that was over the course of three days. And so um, Bloody Lane got its name mm -hmm. because of the sheer number of deaths that happened in that area. And so it's really fascinating. Yeah. I've been there myself a number of times taking photos, uh, infrared and all of that, but I've not heard any of the sounds uh, like that. It, it was definitely uh, weird, and it creeped me out. That kind of got me interested, and I didn't jump in full-fledged. I was like 10 at the time. But I started reading books and, you know, watching shows only at Halloween because back then the only time they played ghost shows was through October. <laughs> now it's every day. Um, so that was kind of what got me started. And as you said earlier, I, I do have a love of history. So I kind of jumped into that field and I started working at historical societies. And uh, my aunt had started up her own little um, paranormal investigation team. And she's like, well, I know someone that can research properties for us. My, you know, my nephew, he works at the historical society. So they would come in every so often and say, I need this deed. 
because you know research helps whenever you're investigating a place right certain names might pop up or give you an idea of what happened there and one day just so happened she was like hey one of our investigators can't make it tonight you want to you want to go along and I was like sure sure because I'd always been interested but you know just it's kind of hard to get into that thing I mean you can do it yourself but to have an actual team with equipment and it was like a dream come true so I went to the first case and it's called we call it the green room because the room that everything was happening in was like a forest green <laughs> and I, they'd been there before but they had so much activity and so much evidence that they had to go back <clears throat> and it was the most active investigation that we've ever been on since Insta- and, and it was amazing and she was surprised that I'd actually came back for more <laughs> after that investigation and it was like the most active ever and it was the first time I had an actual personal experience is like where I felt different and I actually sensed things and um, I can get into that uh, right now actually so we got to the outside of the room and jokingly she looked at me before we opened doors and now the infamous green room you know just as a joke and when we opened it up there was this haze this fog that was above the bed and around the whole room we kind of looked at each other like what you see that and we look back, and as we look back, it kind of just dissipated. I was like, great. You know, she was like, you don't want to leave, do you? I was like, no, no, I'm okay. So she had an EMF reader, and what that is, it uh, select, uh, reads electromagnetic fields. And it was one with the wand on it. It wasn't just the box. It had, like, the wire attached to it where you have to hold out the wand, right. and, and it would blink. And um, we sat down on the bed. I sat at the very end, and she sat on the side, so there was a gap between us. And, you know, we were sitting there asking questions. Um, is there anyone here? Just basic stuff. And she's like, stop, stay still. And the meter started blinking, like, really fast. I was like, and I started freaking out a little because it felt like ants, like, slowly went down my arm and down this whole half, my left half. And then her right half felt it. So something sat down in between us. And you could feel it only on this half of my body, and she could feel it on her right half. It's almost like an energy charge kind oh, of thing. Yeah, like uh, if you ever stuck your finger in a light socket right. with a bulb. Right. Kind of like that, but all over your body. And um, it was weird. And we could take the wand and take it out, and it would stop going. And you could trace, literally trace the outline of something with the wand. Because you could pull it out, and it would stop blinking. And as soon as you would put it between us, you could. Nice. it would start going off, which was really insane. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, I got this hunger pain in my stomach. Super bad. Like, I felt just horrible and um, do you remember the old slide projectors where you know in school you hit it and a picture would come up and you hit it and another picture would come up yeah well that kind of happened in my mind um, but it was so fast it was like someone was just smashing the button down super quick and the pictures were just going and the only thing I got out of it was a, a flower like a sunflower and like a little girl I couldn't tell you their description because it was so fast but that's kind of what I remember mm-hmm. and um so the investigation one had to leave. She's like, we can leave. So I left and had to like walk to the other side of the road because I was so like drained. I felt com- like I had been up for 40 hours, no sleep, no food, no water. I felt like uh, I was starving to death. I just felt completely weak. And after that, you know, I went back in and just did light stuff. I sat and watched headquarter cameras and I, I didn't really go around because I was just so drained. And uh, when I got home, uh, my wife had asked me... Um, where were you? And I was like, well, I was out doing an investigation, you know, with sight. And she says, stop lying to me. And I was like, why would you think I'm lying? And uh, she's like, because you smell like floral, perf- like perfume, like the smell roses. 
and uh, and I couldn't smell it because it was on me. The next day when I woke up, I'd smelled my shirt and it smelled floral, like roses, like flowers. And that was my Interesting. that was my first uh, adventure in uh, ghost hunting. <laughs> and uh, most of the team didn't think I'd come back after that, but it had the opposite effect on me. I you know I wanted to learn more. I was like, man, this is real because all your life you're taught this doesn't exist. It's just imagination. It's not real. And when it happens to you, it's all fun and games until then. Yeah. You know, uh, and then it's not, it's real. And, and a lot of people say, you know, it's fake and this, but you know, tell that to someone who has a child who's afraid to sleep in the room at night. Right. Tell that to someone who's being harassed. Like you can't, you know, that's, that's not true to them. So it, it is easy to not believe until it happens. Once it happens, your whole world's turned upside down. Like everything you were taught is basically wrong, and it's insane. Well, and the beautiful thing about going in uh, to investigate versus like what uh, we did, which was more like house cleansings and stuff like that, mm-hmm. is that you know we we sensed things, we felt things, we saw things that were unexplainable, and in some cases outright terrifying. But you're going in there with the purpose of using the scientific method, mm-hmm. you know, to gather empirical evidence that proves that something is going on that's perhaps unexplainable, but it gives credence to the fact that perhaps there is really something there that you can't explain. And that's the other thing. We go in, if we go to a house, if we do 10 investigations, all honesty, there may be one investigation where we have like proof, right. facts. The rest, not so much, can be explained away by little things. And once you believe your house is haunted, everything seems like something's weird. Yeah. And, you know, simple thing is you go in the bathroom, turn the light on, but forgetting you did it. And you sit down in bed, you're like, oh man, I, who turned my light on? And it just snowballs. Whenever we go to a place and have no evidence, we don't say your house isn't haunted. It's just inclusive because it doesn't mean... It means we didn't catch anything. Right. Um, if you continue having things or things pick up, we'll be more than happy to come back. Right. We don't charge for it. You know, we just... The only time we charge is if they want copies of, like, DVDs. And that's just to pay for the DVD. Sure. That um, makes sense. You, you, you can't charge someone for something like that. It's... You know, because then it's, it kind of takes away its... Yeah. It seems fake. Right. You know, it's like, here, we need $2 for the CD just because that that's the way it is. And... Um, well, and I like the idea of just because you don't find or experience anything doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't something going on there because yeah. you're right. I mean, you know, maybe they decided to sleep in that day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the spirit or whatever it is. Or, I mean, or they could see you coming and decide, you know what, I'm just going to hide. Yeah, you know? that's true. And another thing could be, too, as we talked about earlier, residual haunting. Right. And a residual haunting um, is the, the idea behind it is a, a, a tragic event or a super happy event a lot of energy either way imprints itself on that time that space that area like a VHS tape if you were to record something it right. imprints it on the fabric of that area and it replays itself most of the time it's tragic events a murder so example of this would be every October 3rd at 4pm you know our kitchen door opens up and we hear a gunshot every year that day right that was imprinted it's not an intelligent haunting it's not actually even a a ghost it's a recording of energy imprinted on that space right so you couldn't interact with it i mean we couldn't go in there and be like is there anyone here um and if we went 364 other days of the year we would never catch anything right you know what i mean and 
And that could be the case as well. And we explain that to them. Right. It's um, locked in time and space. Yeah, it's just a recording. It's a basically like a tape that you record something on or a, a video. So with that, why don't you explain a little bit of... Um, based on your experience, some of the different types of hauntings or spirits or okay. paranormal, we'll call it that, uh, paranormal experiences. The the residual one I, I just explained. Then there's the um, intelligent haunting. Um, it sounds silly to say the person just don't know they're dead, but that actually can be the case. Uh, we um, Imagine yourself surrounded in a halo. This was explained to me by a lady who did ghost tours in Harpers Ferry. Um, Imagine there's a halo of energy around your body, and you will lose an arm. Okay, your arm physically would be gone, but that image shape of your hand would still be there. So imagine if something so tragic knocked you out of that ring of energy. Imagine you got hit by a car, basically throw you out. Your physical form is gone, but your energy still exists. That you may not understand that, but these hauntings interact with you. They turn on lights. They communicate with you. They may watch you, um, and a lot of times this is also People say, oh, it's a demon or, oh, it's good. Um, in general, rule of thumb, if you're a nice person in life, you're the same as a ghost or a spirit. If you're a mean uh, person, you're the same in death. <laughs> so these people can play tricks on you. They can push you. They can bite you. If they're just a-holes, they're just a-holes. Right. And it's easy to say, oh, it's an evil entity. And then actually, it's just a, a mean person. And there's good people. You know, you've heard stories of houses burning and someone waking them up. Um, waking people up in the middle of the night because someone's trying to break in the house. You know, you hear these stories all the time, and those are good people. And a lot of times where this is heard is um, old prisons. It's always evil entities. And think about who's locked up there in most cases. I'm sure there's innocent people there and good people there, but hardened criminals are going to seem like evil entities. Um, another topic for another day. Now, an evil entity that was never human could attach itself to ability to that because it would feed off of all those negative emotions and negative feelings. Right. Um, so that is possible. So you are more likely to find a non-human negative entity in a place like that, as opposed to Farmer Jim's farmhouse. Right. You know, so those type of things happen. Another one is poltergeist. It means noisy spirit. A lot of times poltergeist activity is actually a, like a telekinetic thing with, you'll find usually a preteen, 12 to 15 year old female or male, most times it's female, and they're going through this change in life, and they're actually causing these things to happen. Uh, plates banging, things slamming open, and they're causing it themselves. And usually what happens is as they progress in age, the activity stops. Right. So it's more telekinetic thing than it is a ghost. And they don't know they're doing it. Right. It's just everything working itself out in their mind. We were watching this show the other night um, called Haven. My daughter told us to check it out. And I still have mixed feelings about it. We watched three episodes. But um, one of the episodes was like that, mm -hmm. where there was a, a kid who um, lost his parents and everything. He was uh, fostered afterward. And uh, whenever he would get, uh, he would have dreams. Mm -hmm. And uh, his dreams would actually work themselves out physically. And it was like all kinds of wacky, crazy stuff yeah. going on. But he was actually creating it himself. So it was very much like that. And Another one is anchor hauntings. Anchor hauntings are where this entity is attached to a certain object. It could be a necklace, a mm -hmm. dresser, something simple, an ink pen, even people. And a lot of times we find these, whenever we go to a place, we always ask them, did you purchase anything recently from yard sale, estate sale? 
Because a lot of times it can get in that way. Mm-hmm. Not even knowing. It's just like, oh, look at this little pocket watch. Now that pocket watch might just be a $2.25 watch you bought at a yard sale. However, it could be a lot more to it than just that. And so people who go to yard sales a lot or estate sales sometimes tend to get this pieces of art. And we see it all the time uh, working in museums. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get stuff in that kind of has attached entities to it. Yeah, I've encountered that a lot. And, um, and even like a couple times like burning things or recommending when we would go into a house it's like there is definitely something connected here you need to burn it and uh, there's been times where just even you would hear like screams and weird stuff (laughs) happen while it's being uh, being burned but Chris and I go to a lot of auctions and um, other places like that and we always I've always done this is that everything you buy you smudge you know just Definitely. Just because of that exact reason. You don't know if something is connected to it, anchored to it, whatever. I mean, chances are that if you buy, like, a vintage Star Wars Millennium Falcon at an auction, there's not going to be shit attached to it. But better to be safe yeah. than sorry. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that kid might have really worked for that thing. <laughs> right. I mean, that might be his... The Force really <laughs> is strong with this yeah, one. I mean, that might have been his whole goal. But, but um, there is... There's also experiments where people have actually manifested entities in colleges, I forget which one it was, where they created this story about this house. It was all fake, but the people believed it. The five kids that were there all believed it was real, and they told them it was real. Mm -hmm. So the activities that they wrote into the story were manifesting themselves in this apartment. So the kids themselves thought it was so real, they basically willed it into existence. Right. This entity that was just a fake story, and that was the experiment to see if they could get doors to slam. And they wrote this whole backstory about this guy and about the house, and the kids all read it, and they're like, oh, man. And they thought it was haunted, and it wasn't. And everything that was in that story manifested itself. Wow. And they were there for like a week or two. Mm-hmm. So that's like a kind of created entity, and it was actually the people creating it with the minds which is a is super rare but it's just interesting that that you can also believe something into existence so think about all the ghost stories that, you, that are like legends right and how many people believe them exactly they may not be real when it started well and some of them are archetypes too i mean they've existed <clears throat> in the human psyche for centuries mm-hmm. and there's a reason why just yeah. like the hero you know, hero's journey you know is a positive one that we often see in in uh, movies like Harry Potter or Star Wars, mm-hmm. you know, there's negative archetype um, types of things as well. Everything from, you know, a trickster type of spirit mm-hmm. to, you know, whatever. And then, you know, one thing that we're not going to really talk about today, but Frank and I talked about a little bit before we got started here, is, um, you know, the role that aliens could play in the whole oh, mix, yeah. it, you it, know, because you just don't know. And, and it's definitely, uh, that could be a thing. I mean, if it definitely helps you explain a lot of un- unknown things and even some of their weaknesses, just so you're talking about vampires, like maybe they can't be in the sun. You know, it, it, it is a, a deep, it's like a, a topic for another day because it, we could go on and we could sidetrack from supernatural. Yeah, definitely <laughs> fishing in a deep hole. There. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> we could come up with some cool stuff about that. Um, the other, that's really kind of the only main type of ghost hauntings there's always exceptions there's like i said i'll get into with a non-human entity which is something that was never human but it feeds off of negative energy and a lot of times when people think of possessions and and, and demons they think of movie stuff instantly like ah head spin around puking and that's not the case right basically what happens is they 
put you into depression. They make you hate yourself and hate others. Mm-hmm. They, they very rarely cause you to do physical harm themselves, but they make you so down in the dumps that you do it on your own. You know, they're not like holding the knife for you in most cases, but they've drained you so much and made you feel so worthless that they can't, you yourself make that decision. Yeah, I remember years ago, um, it was uh, back when I was uh, I was married to my first wife, Deborah, and we um, did a lot with training prayer teams back then. And there was this, uh, this kid, he was probably 16 or 18, who was, uh, he had been in a, well, actually he was a little older, he was 20, because he had gone into the military, came back, and was struggling a lot with depression. And uh, no one really knew what to do with him. I was really concerned for him because I wasn't sure that he would come out of it, snap out of it. And uh, he was basically on a suicide watch. And so uh, we had gone to visit him. And like I've, I've never really been much of a person to see things mm. but my ex-wife is very much that way so is my daughter Ashley um, they see stuff like it's really here in front of you um, you're jealous sometimes I am honestly yeah, I <laughs> there's been a few times though that I have seen things like I remember this one time going through Walmart and like just walking along minding my own business in Walmart and like the a uh, couple you know what appeared to be attractive looking girls are coming toward me and then they looked up at me and their faces were so contorted and like nasty looking it wasn't really them because I did like a double take and then all of a sudden it was normal mm-hmm. and I'm like okay maybe I don't want to see you know things but anyway uh, we walked over to this guy and um, he like I instantly knew that there was something going on with the back of his head and I didn't know what and um, I, I turned to uh, Deborah and I said, do you see anything with this kid? And uh, I said it quietly because, you know, I didn't want him to hear. And she's like, yeah, there's like a snake tail sticking out of the back of his head. And I'm like, well, that's where I saw. Uh, like, I, I didn't see anything, but I knew that that's where it was. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to spend some time with him and actually get that thing off of him. Mm-hmm. And it saved his life. I mean, the depression lifted and, you know, he went on to to be fine again. But I've, I've experienced that kind of oppression, mm-hmm. which really is that. I mean, with some of the super crazy shit that happened here at the house, mm-hmm. you know, that stuff comes down on you like a blanket sometimes. And it's really challenging to, mm-hmm. to get out of it. Which is why, like, whenever you go in to do your investigations and stuff, because I know we had to do this as well, you probably have to prepare for it. Like, uh, I mean, there's different ways of preparing stuff Mm -hmm. for things like that so that it don't get into you, but it can attach itself to you in some cases. So what did you, like, was there specific things that that your team did that would help you prepare? There there was a... uh it really depended is each we're all walks of life different religions so most right. of us went to our religion with protection some amulets uh, uh, some medicine bags things like that right. um, I, I pers- usually wore a medicine yeah, bag I personally that's why I wore a medicine bag because it was 
that was there. And, you know, some people would amulets and some, uh, one of her members is Wiccan, so whatever, you know, she did. They, everyone did something. And when you walk into a place, just being around it a lot, you can kind of tell. Mm-hmm. It's like, when you, because we go for an initial interview to get mm-hmm. their story. That's kind of also our feeling out. Now, we can't write down, well, this person sends this, this person says this, because you can't prove that. Right. But we have people with it. We usually take an empath, and, you know, an empath is senses emotions, and then there's clairvoyants who see in the future and can see things. Right. So we would take one of each with us, usually, to kind of say, what do you get? And that would kind of let us know what we had to do to prepare to go in. Right. Um, and there's also things that they can say um, that may sound silly, but... If they say things like we smell rotting flat, you know, we smell decomposition, mm-hmm. sulfur, um, different things that they can tell you that's like, this isn't, we can't mess around here. Right. And in some cases, we can't really do anything about that. So we find out what their choice, you know, what their religion is, what their belief is, and we kind of connect them with someone that can do something more than come in and investigate. Because, you know, I don't want to go in there and have the chance of one of those things attaching to us because you can... It can still happen. Right. I mean, no matter how prepared you are, things happen. Yeah, and there's sometimes where you have to just say, you know what? Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry. Um, maybe stay with the family. And the chances are, probably follow them. Yeah. But there's really not a lot you can do except for get someone that knows what they're doing in that field specifically and, and give them a hand because it is horrible to see a family going through something mm-hmm. and knowing you just, your hands are tied behind your back. Well, and that's like, uh, that's something that we encountered here at the house is that we had this vortex thing going on and uh like we knew it was there and of all places it was like right in the bathroom like right at the edge of the bathroom um but it was like a portal and stuff would come in and out of there and it was like when it comes to that kind of stuff i'm i'm pretty in tune and pretty you know stand my ground i'm not affected by fear most of the time with that kind of stuff but it was it was like beyond my pay grade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I did not have the security clearance to deal with that one. And yeah. so we actually had to uh, bring in somebody who was much more adept at, at dealing with those kinds of things. And I'm glad you mentioned um, uh, somebody with uh, empathy that could really pick up on um, the emotions and stuff. Probably one of the most dangerous places to be in is an empath just because they open to pick up on what's in an area, but that also opens them up to yeah. receive what's in that area. Yeah. And so um, empaths can uh, really need to jump through some hoops to, to protect themselves. And like one of the things that I often recommend is, uh, like you mentioned earlier about the the cylinder of energy kind of thing, you can actually um, project that onto yourself or envision like a cylinder of energy around you to protect you as an empath so that things can't go in. And you could argue, well, it's just imaginary and it can't really work. Well, maybe that's what you think, but it actually does make a difference and it does work. Definitely. And the thing, and another message is kind of important to, to get out to listeners as well is, um, if if you don't know, don't mess with it. Um, and if you are an empath or you're feeling these type of things, go with someone who like learn from someone, build yourself up. And if it's something dangerous, there's nothing worse than going into a, a negative entity and feeling like you can fix it. 
if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Because you can ruin everything, make it worse, and your family's lives worse, and just get help uh, from anywhere that is versed in that thing. Yeah, two things come to mind. One is that uh, pride is not the place you want to be whenever you're dealing with stuff like that because they can humble you very quickly. Yeah. Been there, done that, burned the t-shirt. Um, the other thing is that uh, paranormal activity isn't like entertainment. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, I mean, you go, like, I, we live 20 minutes from Gettysburg, so... You know, you go down to Gettysburg, and it seems like you know every five doors is a is a ghost adventure kind of something yeah, where you can do tours and all that kind of stuff. And uh, trust me when I tell you, they do crazy amounts of people who oh. go on those tours. Oh yeah, and you know I get it, and that's fine and all, and a lot of people do it because they love a good scare and whatever. But to me, it's not entertainment, and I've had. So many people say, well, why don't you go, like, even with what Frank does, you know, doing paranormal investigation and stuff, I've had people say, well, you know, why don't you set up a, a camera or a digital recorder in your house since you've had so much activity and everything? And I'm like, let me ask you a question. If you were living in a place that was uh, active in a paranormal sense, would you really want to catch an audio of somebody talking while you're sleeping or seeing some gray shadow thing going down your hallway while you're asleep? Like, do you really want proof? I mean, I know what we experienced here and I like it was as real as real can get. So I don't, you know, I don't need physical proof uh, regarding our experience. And of course we haven't had anything here like that much in years, but uh, thank God. Um, but still, like, I, I've just not been one to really go look for a fight. I mean, I know what to do. I know how to prepare. Been there, done that for years. But for me, like, even doing a ghost tour in Gettysburg, you know, a lot of people see it as exciting. Me, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing is, the kind of the ghost shows kind of were good for ghost hunting and bad at the same time. Because one, technology and tools advance so rapidly. Oh, yeah. But it's also bad because now everyone thinks of it as entertainment. And I'll be the first one to tell you that the ghost shows literally get the holy grail most of the time on every investigation. And that's just not how it works. Right. Um, yeah, it makes you wonder some of it's staged. Yeah, it, it doesn't work like that. Whenever we get the evidence, it's like their bad evidence that they get is like our, oh, my goodness, look <laughs> at this. You know, and they seem to catch something everywhere. Now, I know they're going to, like, super haunted places. They're going to, you know, Myrtles and all these places that have history. But even in that case, like, it just doesn't happen like that. Like, it's super boring sometimes. Like, after you get all the evidence, you got to go sit in the office and watch eight hours of footage of the same four square rooms, you know? <laughs> and you have to have two people watching because if you blink, you can miss something. Exactly. And we got to pause it, timestamp it, and go back and research it. Then you got the eight hours of audio. Right. four different tapes that you got to listen to for EVPs. It's not super exciting. Yeah. And when stuff happens, no matter how prideful or strong you believe you are, if you when you're in that situation and something happens that's out of the ordinary and you can't explain it, it it freaks you out. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really where you find your your fight or flight right there. You right. Know? And it's it's well, it verifies. <laughs> you know, it it like they say, shit gets real. No, it does. And <laughs> really quick. And you can't explain it. And no matter how prepared you think you are, when something happens, you realize how prepared, unprepared, underprepared you were for that situation. And it gets out of control quick. And it doesn't look professional if you 
drop your stuff and run screaming <laughs> out of the house. Scream like a little girl. You know, so you gotta just kind of <laughs> you gotta just slowly back away. Put okay, I'm going to go back to headquarters now. And we do, like I said, we do use uh, people that can sense and feel, but we never document it. But right. we use that as tools for us. Like, hey, check this room out. Right. And we, you know, and, and, and that's kind of what we do. Um, science is easier for people to believe. Mm-hmm. Now, there's all, whenever you have science, there's always, you know, there's always people trying to prove it, improve it, and disprove it. So whatever you're leaning towards, you can have arguments on both sides are believable. I mean, if you don't believe they exist, this guy's right. Mm-hmm. And if you do, these guys are right. right. And it's really where you sit. And it's a, it's, a, it's a tough thing. So why don't you talk a little bit about some of the kinds of technology that you use whenever you go out on one of these? Sure. Um, in most cases, uh, we have a, a camera system, eight cameras. Uh, they're all infrared with sound. Uh, the sound, we, we don't really go by so much because we're always moving around and walking around. We have uh, voice recorders, um, basic voice recorders that we like little handheld yeah, digital hand, things yeah, don't have to be special set them down in the rooms we might ask a question or say hey we're setting this here talking to the light the little red light whatever um we'll use a tri-field meter a tri-field meter is really valuable because it does emf but it also separates uh man-made emf so if i came in here with an emf detector it'd be blowing up right now right? yeah because of the computers yeah and some people read this a false positive the tri-field meter will determine so if it will knock this out so if i turned it on and there was still a reading something's up so kind of like how a metal detector distinguishes between gold and a pull tab off of yeah. aluminum can yeah so and it, and it works and even like light sockets mm-hmm. anything can set off your emf you're saying it's like something's over here and you can take it and it, you know where the wire is running <laughs> exactly and, and you can follow the wire through the right thing. um f- uh, fuse boxes definitely and even high fields of EMF and some scientific studies have been shown to cause people, give people hallucinations on super mm-hmm. high levels. So you got to figure out in too, like if this guy's like, every night I go up my basement, this happens and it's putting out off the meter EMFs because this fuse box not properly inserted, then right. there's your, that could possibly be a problem. Sure. Um, we also use, obviously, flashlights. Uh, we use EMF readers. We use a laser grid. And what that is, is like these pins that shoot green dots all over the wall mm-hmm. and we film it and you can see distortions in it so if an entity would go in front of it it would distort you can see the shape so it would fuzz oh, cool. the laser grid um, sometimes we use a talk box a spirit box which is like white noise and it can break into words uh, we use a thermal reader which like a flare device yeah thir- we actually got ours from the fire department because when they upgrade they sell their old one. Ah. So we were like, hey, can we buy this one cheap? Yeah, now you can get FLIR devices for your iPhone because I have one. It's kind of <laughs> cool. And they're super cool too because they can show that you can see outlines of people and, and things like that because of temperature differences. And it's Yeah, I've used mine for real high-tech stuff like taking pictures of Kristen and <laughs> and trees. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a cool thing. And it, it that's generally uh, what we use in most cases. EMF. EVP recorder, which is the handheld voice recorder, the laser grid, the cameras, and then the the flare device, and that's kind of what we use because mm-hmm. um, you know we gotta get in and out of these places. We don't have the same time that the shows had like days to set up all these cameras, so right. we set up everything in an hour, and we take everything down in an hour. And the flare device, the EVF reader, the EVP, we just have that with us, and we go in teams of two most of the times because someone can validate something yeah it makes sense you know and also 
it gives you a little comfort, you know, because it does get creepy sometimes. And if someone's there with you, it makes you feel a little better. So, and if I see something, you've seen it too, or you at least know. Right. So. Well, and I mean, there is a valid point to the whole fight or flight thing. I mean, it affects all of us. Mm. Uh, you can uh, you can get used to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, I mean, I remember, and I think I shared it on a previous episode here, where, um, you know, we got so used to the paranormal activity that was happening here in the house to where it was just a casual thing. You know, it's like, oh, since you're here, do you want to have a hot dog with us? You know, I mean, it was almost like that. But the one spirit that we called Shaggy... Um, you know, this big ass, eight foot, hairy looking thing with glowing eyes. Like, whenever that thing showed up, it really didn't matter how used to whatever you were, you freaked out. And (laughs) the lights, you know, like all of a sudden, darkness was not your friend. And uh, it just had so much power and energy attached to it. Um, It was seriously, seriously messed up. And, um, of course, you know, there are, you know, we talked about protection. We talked about cleansing. There's a lot of things that you can do. Like, I know that you're going into a lot of those places more uh, from a scientific discovery perspective rather than a let's get this shit out of here perspective. Whereas that was more what I did. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, look, I don't want to have to move out of my house. I just don't like what... It's going bumping at night, yeah. so could you please get rid of this thing for me? Yeah. Um, you know, but I also did not want to bring it back to my house. Yeah, <laughs> you know, which it seemed like for a couple of years there, you know, the uh, the Dead Poet Society met here regularly. <laughs> and it's like, hey, let's go over to Tony and Deborah's. And going in like that, like you did, definitely makes you more susceptible to the attachment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it makes you more of an enemy. I mean, we we honestly really don't get we don't get rid of entities we just make the person feel seen it's right. comforting to them know that they're not going crazy right and then we can give them the phone number connect them we know people that do it right but we just go in and get the proof then the person first of all feels so much relief and like i'm not crazy right this is happening we are a normal family that this just happens to be happening to i'm not you know i don't need to go check myself in this like where i don't need to get on meds it's real and that alone sometimes is enough and then you go to people who are like oh it's just alfred like you were saying oh it's just alfred yeah. And they just, they don't even care. Just they, the native dude. Yeah, you know. he just hangs out and watches TV, whatever. And they have name, pet names for him. And that, <laughs> We've done know, that. You know, and it's it's <laughs> insane. And they don't even, they're like, we don't want rid of him. We just want to know that he's here. Yeah. And those are cool people. And then. Uh, yeah, because they're not all bad. Yeah, yeah. No. We, we tend to associate paranormal with like this nasty, evil, demonic something or another. Mm-hmm. And that just really isn't the case. Yeah. I mean, there's those, you know, negative energy is certainly out there. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about that. But it's not all negative energy. Yeah. And like, like I was saying earlier, like some are like guardian type deal where the house is burning and something wakes mm-hmm. them up. And, you know, if it per- like we said earlier, if the person's a, a, a D-bag in life, they're going to be the same way. So they could do things like try to scare you on purpose. Right. And think about this. If tomorrow you knew that you were a ghost, you know you would mess with people Oh, dude, totally. Right? I would be like the ultimate snarky ghost. But you wouldn't want to harm them. It'd just be silly. Like, you know how you do it now is alive. We hide behind doors and <laughs> jump out and scare our friends. Why? Because it's fun. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean you want this person to die or you want to call them physical harm. You're just having a good time. Right. And if the person was super scared and said, hey, chill it out a little bit. You, as Tony, 
You may, you may not. But you would listen because that's it. Like, you may not scare kids because I don't want to scare the kids. Right. But I might scare dad coming down for a drink at 2 in the morning just because it's fun. Now, if it was really bothering them and they started really getting worked out, me as a person, I'd like, you know, I'm going to back up a little bit. So, well, see, as much as I teach and everything, like whenever I do finally cross over, whenever that is, Kristen insists that it'll be sometime after I turn 100. Um, <laughs> we'll see about that. But I figure, you know, I'll spend a year or two collecting data as a spirit mm-hmm. and then somehow figure out how to make a course out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would be the ultimate thing if, if you have a researcher and you're on the other side and you could actually feed information. Wouldn't that be cool? It would. I, I totally want to figure out how to do that. Like but... To prove, like, this is the, this is going to prove it finally. And right. That would be a good deal. So you talk a lot about um, like you actually got your start doing historical research mm-hmm. uh, for your uh, for your aunt and her mm-hmm. team and all of that. What are the kinds of uh, research specifically did you look for? Was it event based primarily or what? Uh, events. Uh, most of the time it was deeds on property. Okay. Because that gives you everything. Um, who bought it? How it was originally distributed? If it was like in a land lottery, the names of the people that live there. And it tells you everything. Um, Event-wise, it's a little tougher because not everything's documented. Right, um, makes sense. But if but I mean, if it yeah, burned so, down yeah, there at one yeah, point right, or somebody there. was murdered, it wouldn't. You could yeah. maybe find that. We in look for the small small skirmishes, uh, Native American presence, things like that, because those type of things usually you can kind of look deeper and find out murders. Um, Burnings, even back then, lynchings happened. Right, things like that. Uh, Underground Railroad, especially in this area. Sure. What are they part of it? Um, the think of the emotion uh, of that travel. You right. Know? And if you're hiding in a basement, like what kind of energy imprinted itself in this cubby hole? So those type of things definitely. Well, and that's something that we really encountered at the toy box because, um, I guess this year it would be, I don't know how many years, but. Um, the town of Chambersburg was burned um, mm-hmm. during the Civil War, and the entire downtown region, including the building where uh, the Toy Box currently is, was burned to the ground, uh, courtesy of the Confederate Army. Mm-hmm. And um, it was very traumatic. A lot of people lost their lives and everything that they owned and all of that. And um, in the basement of our store there, uh, the Toy Box store, uh, you could actually see the remains of the original foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see um, uh, some of the scarring from the fire uh, mm-hmm. still in the stones and stuff. And so a couple months ago, they started, um, uh, we have like an alleyway that's just a walkway. You can't drive on it called Barnhart Avenue. And uh, they uh, dug it up along with the uh, parking lot behind us to completely repave it. And um, from them uh, digging alongside of our building, we started noticing some strange things at the store, um, energetically and otherwise. It affected our sales. Our sales started dropping off. Um, you would walk into the place and just have a weird feeling about it. So Kristen and I started smudging on a very regular basis, just going in there with some sage and tobacco. And you know we'd speak peace and prosperity and success and all that through the store upstairs and downstairs and uh, I think I shared some of this before but one of the things that we noticed was that 
um, every time we did it, our sales would pick up again. And then after a few weeks, they would start to dip. And then we'd go back in, and then they pick up again. And so now that's a regular part of what we do at both of our stores is go through just to kind of keep that energy in check. It isn't that it's like a negative entity, you know, out to destroy a toy store. It's nothing like that at all. But because of the digging that they were doing and disturbing that ground, it was stirring up the energy, I think, that was embedded from when the town was burned. Yeah, well, it's going to get a lot worse when they start doing construction on the whole town. Exactly. <laughs> they start doing that. You know, uh, if if someone themselves, I guess, kind of wanted to get started uh, doing paranormal investigation, mm-hmm. um, you can do it really easy. Uh, first, you kind of want to do some research. There's a, a bunch of things out there you can research. Maybe uh, YouTube some videos. Um, get yourself a voice recorder. Really, that's real super interesting. Is if you get yourself a small voice recorder, you, I mean, if you're brave enough, you can do it in your own house. <laughs> ask questions and set it down. Just you know, don't flip out when you get an answer. Right. Um, or you can go to places in your area that have a history. Mm-hmm. Kind of start publicly. Don't go creeping around at nighttime. Go in the daytime. It doesn't have to be night. Um, that's, people say that you know it doesn't have to be, especially with EVPs. Uh, but you don't want to put it somewhere where a lot of people are coming in and out because you can get false positive people just walking by. Right. Um, get yourself an EMF detector. You don't have to get the trifield. It's a little more expensive. Uh, you can get an EMF reader for 20 bucks. It doesn't have to be super high. Well, same with digital recorders. They're not yeah. super expensive. Yeah, I, I have a Sony one and um, two Zoom ones. Yeah. I yeah. like that brand. And, you, and I think there's a free audio program called Audacity yeah. that you can get that can you can break down what you got, mm-hmm. which is super, I think it's cheap, it's easy. Mm-hmm. Just go light. Don't go, unless you want to, go full bore. They have paranormal kits you can buy online. They have all this in it. They have like a small training DVD. They have the EMF reader. They have the, uh, well, we also use a, I forgot, a laser thermometer. Uh, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So we can point, we got to usually hold a sheet of paper up because if you shoot it, it'll read the wall. Yeah. So we hold like paper up and we hold it and check temperatures because I can hold it here to be 89 and hold it here and it's 50. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I've, I've definitely seen temperature shifts 15, yeah. 20, 25 degrees sometimes. Yeah. So we use a laser thermometer and those you can also get for 20 bucks. Maybe that, right. maybe even cheaper now. So, and then research. And if you want to start your own group, first of all, I just suggest going cheap, super cheap first. See if you like it. Because it may seem like an amazing idea. And then something happens while you're out investigating and you're like, this is not a good idea. <laughs> and it just freaks you out so much that you're like, I'm going to leave that to people who... I think I'm going to take up knitting now. Because <laughs> yeah, right? it, it depends. Because you always think you're prepared for it. Like right. We talked about earlier. But as soon as that one big thing happens, you find out real quick... How prepared are you for it? So, like you said, you might lean a lot. I think I'm going to take up uh, knitting now. <laughs> and just sell your equipment. So go cheap first, and if it's super interesting to you, you can you can reach out to people. I mean, the ghost community is super cool. They share all the information with each other. They share stories with each other. They share findings. They send pictures. Another good thing you can do is, right now, go through your old pictures, your, your even your digital ones. Uh, you go through your old ones you have in shoe boxes. Because just look through them. Mm-hmm. You might have captured something, an orb. You have to be, you know, kind of critical of it. But just check through them. You could find something that you never noticed before if you're looking. Because when right. you get a picture, you look at what you were taking a picture of and you set it down. Yeah, orbs can be tricky, especially yeah. whenever you're using a flash because yeah. it's very easy. Um, and very often it's like <clears throat> bugs or mm-hmm. 
dust or something. Yeah. And I've seen that. Um, the one cool experience that I have with an orb, which I think I've shared here before, um, was shortly after my dad died. It was my daughter's birthday, so it was maybe two, three months after my dad passed. And uh, we were celebrating my daughter's birthday at my apartment at the time. I was uh, I lived in the same building that my parents did at the opposite end. And my sister Tanya had come up with uh, to the party, and she's like, pulled me aside, and she's like, I want to show you something. And so she pulled this picture up on her camera and um, and said, I took this picture of, she took this picture of her kids, and um, there was this orb next to her son's head. She's like, what do you think about that? And I said, what do you think about it? She's like, I was wondering if maybe that was dad. And I said, I could see that possibly, you know? And mm -hmm. I said, you want to do a little experiment? And she's like, sure. And so I, I announced to everybody, I said, we're going to do a little experiment here, if you don't mind, um, just to see if dad's here. And I said, hey, dad, you know, it's Tony. Um, your family's all gathered together to celebrate Courtney's birthday. I think it was her uh, 18th birthday or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I said, um, if you're here, I'm going to take a picture and uh, make yourself known if you're here. And so I, I announced that. I pulled up my camera. I took a picture of Courtney. And then I said, okay, let's see what we got. So I flipped the camera over. I mean, just literally mm -hmm. that fast, that brash. Mm -hmm. And uh, right next to my daughter's head was an orb. Pretty compelling evidence. I'd it say. was pretty compelling. <laughs> and could it still be a fly or dust? Of yeah. course, it, I guess it could yeah. be. But the fact that I like went that in your face, mm -hmm. you know, about it, like what are the odds? Mm -hmm. And there's some people who just disprove all orbs. Really, about ninety-five percent of them are all just, uh, are, you know, artifacts or dust. yeah. It's called out of focus bugs. Yeah, and, <laughs> and and it happens. Some people just throw those out all the time. And mm -hmm. even if you're looking through your photos, to see an orb is kind of cool. If even if, if it's just a bug, but it doesn't mean that's what you could find. You could find like a apparition in the background. Right. You don't know. You really look at your photos. Uh, a lot of times they're captured that way. You know, like some of the older photos, like a picture, people in the background. There's like a torso of a man just hanging out, like before photo manipulation was as hot you know mm -hmm. um some old polaroids are, are super interesting oh yeah and uh some old ones from history uh, there's a lot of just information out there so i think uh definitely look through your old photos kind of creep yourself out a bit and uh look online and i think that's a good way to to get started awesome well, uh, that's all that we have for now. We're probably going to have Frank back just because there's a lot that we haven't talked about. But if you have any comments or questions, feel free to ask those now. Otherwise, we're going to wrap things up. And, of course, as always, you can um, comment in the Facebook group. Um, that's open, and you're always welcome to comment there. And the replays for these, I've been averaging about two days to get them up. Um, but they're available on both SoundCloud and on iTunes, and the links for both of those are on the uh, website, nerdunscripted.com. So, any comments or questions? Speak now or forever <laughs> hold your peace. Awesome. Good. <laughs> Liz says, thank you both. Well, you're very welcome. You're welcome.
and uh, excellent. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Frank, for joining me here today. Hey, anytime, man. Like and uh, it was always fun talking about it, this stuff. It was kind of hard, honestly, to contain it all. Just to, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I kept like getting ready to go down these uh, rabbit Rab- holes. <laughs> And I was like, I got to hold back because we could be sitting here till nine o'clock tonight. Honestly. I know, exactly. just going back and forth about everything. Yeah, and uh, well, I'll definitely have you back. I have to keep it we'll, all on track. You know, I was trying to get this. We'll, basics, we'll pick another rabbit hole to dive down. Uh, Jess says thank you both uh, very much, and Val says thanks. And uh, thank Tony, you. Tony says we had a key uh, disappear from its hook in the house. Two days later, it was back, and neither of us had touched it. Spirits. Um, well, could be messing with you a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I've seen things like that happen and then not happen and then yeah. happen again. Yeah, so. Definitely. What I would say is uh, keep a watch out for other things disappearing. Right. And if it's like a pattern, you may have something there. And until that point, it's kind of hard to determine. Right. And if you have a cat, that kind yeah. of explains everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Kathleen says, uh, thanks. Looking forward to future Frank episodes. All right. Thank you. And Tony says, we've had other things go, too. Well, then that yeah. that's probably worth... I mean, if you're up for the game, yeah. it could be fun to just like put a security cam in that room or something yeah. and yeah. just record. And maybe we could even do something uh, to help him out to give him a little starter kit to check for himself. Right. We can tell him some things to do. Yeah, we have security cameras in our house inside. And I have to be honest with you, whenever I go in and look for motion action, uh, activities... I get a little cautious sometimes. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, okay, it's just You don't a cat. want to see your buddy hanging back out here at Shaggy, right? <laughs> exactly. It's like, <laughs> what just walked in front of that camera? Um, not a good thing. But anyway, all right, well, thank you all very much. Uh, we will reconvene here next Tuesday at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern. And uh, I have no idea what we'll talk about next week. I have a couple maybe ideas. We'll see. But... Um, I really appreciate all of the suggestions that you guys made early on. Um, If there are any topics specifically that you'd love for me to dive into, um, you know, just let me know in a Facebook group. I I know many of you made suggestions already. I'm not quite sure where that list is, probably buried a little bit, but I'm always uh, open for suggestions and and we'll see where we go. Everyone's been super nice and uh, thank you guys for listening and, uh, Thanks for the thanks that you gave us. And uh, Tony, hopefully uh, things don't keep disappearing. And uh, <laughs> But it's hard up. to explain. Yeah. Somehow I had this key show up in my yeah. house the other yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <right>. Just kidding. <laughs> Kathleen's a trickster spirit. It's possible. That's exactly what I thought, actually. Yeah. It's funny that you I mean, you as long as it that. doesn't stay missing, they're just messing with you. Right. Now, if everything starts going, you never get it back. There was a quick story. There's a place in Harper's Ferry, a bakery shop, where the, all of his equipment kept missing. His knives, his, uh, everything he used to make cookies and knives, whatever else you use, it was back during the Civil War. They, everything went missing. They re, uh, like, re, uh, what was it what I'm looking for? Like, refurbished it and they remodeled the whole place. And the tools were found in the wood. What? Like inside of the beams. Oh my heavens. Like the mixers, the spoons, it was all inside the wood, like in the foundation. Can you imagine you're like sawing through this yeah. big timber and all of a sudden you hit something? And, and there was, and in Harper's Ferry, it's a huge story. Like if you go in the shop now, it's a toy, not a toy store, uh, like a, just a guest, like gift shop. 
but they have pictures of when they remodeled and they found all these tools and utensils awesome. in the wood. I don't think I've ever gone to Harper's Ferry. Oh, man, that place is, you know, the John Brown raid. Right. I mean, the Dangerfield newbie. I mean, it is a just stories out the wazoo there. It's super haunted. When you walk into the town, it's a cool town, got like a Shepherdstown feel, but you can feel it. You know what I mean? It's like thick. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff happened there. And it's good stories. If anyone wants to research Harper's Ferry, you can check it out. Awesome. <laughs> Tony says, we put it down to my partner's late husband. We just talked to him like he's still around when strange things happened. Nothing recently. Yeah, I knew you were in the UK, Tony. I actually yeah. mentioned that yeah. to Frank before we got started. Then, then that is a good explanation. I mean, that definitely... It actually is a good explanation. That could definitely be it. And if that's the case, you've nothing to worry about, really. Right, because that's like the other day, I uh, I walked into the house and I smelled uh, sage burning. And I knew we hadn't uh, burned any. And I mentioned to Kristen, because I told her all the stories about your... <laughs> very early on as to not freak her out <laughs> later um, and I said hey I think the Indian dude is back and she's like why do you say that and um, I said because I smelled sage and I knew we weren't burning it and she's like well he, he's one of the good ones right and I'm like yeah he's cool yeah that's kind of information you, got, <laughs> like, you can't not drop that type of information with somebody and start stating you like this this and this could happen just <laughs> theoretically <laughs> like a giant spaghetti monster hanging out in the living room Back later. Just yeah, exactly. That's Shaggy. He's still looking for Scooby. Um. Yeah, yeah. I heard your story. I listened to a couple episodes before uh, before I came, and I'd heard the one about Slim. Uh, oh, Slim. Yeah, you know. And I was like, man, that is definitely unnerving. Yeah, I'm about to take on Slim this yeah. week. <laughs> that was definitely unnerving, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of our one of my subscribers, uh, Mary, actually. Uh, sent us some information and stuff to really help break that because he's more of a generational mm -hmm. um, not poltergeist but familiar spirit oh, yeah, it's yeah. like a g generational familiar so Slim is getting Slimmer. sent back <laughs> wherever he yeah. came from yeah I mean that, that's definitely he's going down yeah. oh you're here Mary thank you um <laughs> Yeah, Mary sent me some great information to help deal with Slim. So uh, we are definitely going to get rid of Slim. Yeah, it uh, sounds like a good. I mean, that's what I would do. Yeah, and I mean, it, and while we're just sitting here talking randomly, like I got so many other things. Like I said, we could talk about. You're talking about familiars, which is a whole nother, mm -hmm. a whole nother. It's not really a haunting thing that we. Come I'm across. not a big fan of familiars, <laughs> but it I mean, for me, they've always been a pain in the ass. But anyway, yeah. I digress. Well, thank you all very much. Uh, we're just about the top of the hour, and uh, we will meet up here again at next Tuesday at 10 a.m. So have a, rest, a great rest of your week.